Hello, everyone. This is a D-Rays Bay podcast special. I'm Brett Rutherford alongside Ashley McLennan. And Ashley, baseball is back. It's back, baby. Yes, as far as we know, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed on a labor deal. We don't know all of the details. They're kind of still trickling in as we record. This is an instant reaction, so you'll get our our, our thoughts, our emotions, uh, what we think about this deal um, in real time. So, Ashley, you know, I guess before we get into, like, how the deal (laughs) went down, how exciting is it that that we have a, a, a season it's, it's exciting only not only because we have a season, but we are getting a full season, which is, I think, something that we were all starting to kind of suspect was not going to be the case when they started canceling games. So they have announced, of course, that it's going to be a full 162-game season, no games lost. Uh, uh, opening days April 7th. Um, spring training games start March 17th. And I think they're just extending the end of the season by three days to kind of make up that difference. So we'll probably see some double headers kind of thrown in the mix. Um, but it's thrilling because it means we get a full 162, which I'm sure the players love because it means they get paid for 162 games. Uh, and I know what we love because it means we get to watch 162 games. And after losing so much of the 2020 season, um, just hyped to be able to be like, yes, games, baseball, bring it back. Um, I'm just super, super happy. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the 162. You lose that in 2020, and even though there was a pandemic, that wasn't the reason they only played 60 games in the regular season. It was similar negotiations as they were yeah. going through now. Um, so to, for them to come to a deal, I, like because I was very, very shocked that a deal wasn't reached at MLB's very fake deadline that they set themselves, the owners set, to not cancel opening day. Um, I was shocked because I thought the owners – really can't afford to lose games more than the players do um, after losing a hundred games of revenue in 2020. Um, So yeah, I think you're looking at, we can kind of start to dig into this deal. Um, Ultimately though, the the final vote from the players, the executive committee or executive board made up of more veteran players that have been appointed to these roles. They voted eight zero against this deal which required it. All they needed was a simple majority out of 38 voters. You had the eight members of, of that committee and then 30 player reps. They needed, with those eight voting against, two-thirds majority of the player reps, of the team reps, to vote for this deal. And they got, I think, like 26 of them. 26-12 um, so was the final count, yeah. That, so they got 26-4 to four for the team reps and 8 nothing from the execs. And you're starting to hear of maybe, you know, a lot of these guys on the executive committee are all um, Boris clients that maybe he was suggesting that they turn this down. Maybe he was suggesting they turn it down, knowing that they had the votes regardless to get this thing passed. I don't know. Uh, but, but ultimately a lot of progress I think was made in, uh, towards the players, their side of things in terms of the CBT and the bonus pool. But there were some things that, I think they kind of got the short end of the stick on. We'll still have to wait and see what happens with the international draft, uh, which I am like pretty strongly opposed to. And I'm also, I'm really glad that the players are kind of sticking up for that. I think that's been my biggest takeaway these last couple days of negotiations. Cause a lot of these players on the, both the committee and the team reps, were not international players. They did not go through the process of being signed as an international free agent. A lot of these players are, you know, from the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada, where they are drafted um, out of high school or out of college. 
And I think that's really good that they stuck up for a lot of these international players who are opposed to the draft when they can have a you know a much better, much bigger say of which teams they want to play for. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm just I'm sorry, I'm looking through all the details to try and get us kind of a good breakdown of everything. But you're like you said, it's all kind of coming in trickle news wise we're just really stoked to see the deal and it's weird stuff we're finding out too like you know rule changes so it'll be back to like nine game doublehead yeah. nine inning doubleheaders um the the ghost runner is gone friends if you hated the ghost runner congratulations there will be no instant runner on second base in extra innings baseball anymore um so those what are, are your thoughts really- on the seven inning doubleheader going away uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest because I'm old and um, I don't like to necessarily watch games that go on for 20 hours. Um, I'm not mad about it. I would be, I would, I was not mad about the seven inning double headers and I'm kind of sad to see them go, but um, I'm not going to like cry about it. It's, it is what it is. I, I think ultimately it's good and it's mostly fair, even though it's unfair for to ask any team to like use 18 innings of pitching in one day. Um, I was really not enjoying them, but it was easier to consume 14 innings of baseball in one day. Exactly. Yeah. It felt like more of a treat because, you know, you got like two games, but they were shorter, they were tighter, and you could kind of, you know, sit and watch both of them. Uh, maybe, you know, around the same time it takes people to watch uh, the Batman, the new Batman movie. Which is tremendous, <laughs> which we could make it a whole other podcast about, but we won't. Yeah. Uh, sadly, no baseball played in it, so we can't discuss it on who's on worst. Um, oh, yeah. Well, but you know, I was I was starting to enjoy the seven inning doubleheaders. If if you guys can't tell, I'm not in my normal setup. I am recording this in my car. It is very much an instant reaction. I left work to head to one of my other gigs, which is broadcasting junior college baseball games, and we've got a game starting in less than two hours. Um, so they play seven inning doubleheaders, and I've really enjoyed that as a broadcaster yeah. because trying to fill up airtime. Uh, for two nine-inning games is incredibly hard, and I give a lot of credit to like the people that do it at the major league level, uh, both baseball or both TV and radio. Um, so I've been enjoying the seven-inning doubleheaders, but in terms of like the integrity of the of the league, I like the nine-inning doubleheaders. Well, and you look for... at stuff like poor poor Madison Bumgarner. Oh is, yeah. I mean, that's where you really hate the idea of a, an official seven-inning end because how can you not anyway well that's mincing things but it's it's a real bummer when you finish a game and don't get to count it as you know a perfect game or no hitter just because the league said no ends here but you know you didn't go nine innings and you're like well you didn't give me a chance to (laughs) so i I think the next question and i don't want to take away any of our joy is like okay they've got a deal right now but i think they agreed to like revisit the international draft i haven't seen whether or not that was completely ironed out my worry down the road is are we going to see this every five years when they need to reach a new deal you would hope not you would hope that some lesson would be learned but how how can a lesson be learned when no revenue has really been lost you know what i mean like the owners are still going to make their money having played this and i know a lot of the players aren't happy about it i think trevor may is going on an absolute like rampage on twitter right now i have this just isn't a good deal for players in general and i think what the owners have learned from this is that they if they stick their heels in they really will ultimately kind of get what they want and i think that's a dangerous lesson to learn because i think it will lead to us having these issues 
so I, I think like one of the big differences we see between this year and 1994 when we had the strike is that we can see a lot more of it as it happens than we did in yeah. 94 where really we were super dependent and I say we like I wasn't nine years old when that <laughs> happened and like you were not even born probably. <laughs> right. um so but like in 1994 it was very much the the narrative as pitched by baseball media and baseball media then was very much like a newspaper boys club and it, I think what we're seeing now is that there's much more in the way of who is reporting on things and what's being reported and the ability of players to give their own opinions vocally with nobody censoring them. Um, and I think that that has given a lot more of an opportunity for fans to kind of recognize who the villains are. Like I've never been pro owner in this. I want to be very clear. And it's very hard to find a, a, somebody to champion in millionaires versus billionaires, but I, I will never pick the billionaires in that argument. <laughs> a lot to be said for that in terms of the owners maybe wanting to watch how much they try things um but also they didn't lose really they've reached an agreement they didn't have to give as much as the players wanted them to and i don't think that this has dulled any of the animosity that was brewing kind of just below the surface so it's going to be ugly it's going to be but ultimately, it won't quell, I don't think, the excitement. Like, the diehard fans were never going to leave, no matter what they mm -hmm. said. Like, all of us, we were going to watch opening day, whether it was April 1st or July 1st. Was, you know, it, it, we might have been less excited about it, but we were going to be there, especially, you know, to support our teams. But I, I don't think they're going to see that, that loss of, like, that more casual fan base. Because, like you said, they're playing all 162 games. The season is starting, what, a week after it was scheduled to? And who, who among casual fans, I hate to say this, but who among casual fans is really like right in there, April 1st, opening day, got to watch from the very beginning. They might watch one game that week, if that. Right. So, it might I mean, be opening day. In, in, the yeah. t in the TV product, all these TV networks, whether it be ESPN or a, a regional sports network or MLB TV, they're still going to prop this product up. Baseball's back. Look look at this this great return. And so it's going to attract a lot of people for that, that opening week, that opening night. Oh, baseball's back. I didn't think they were going to have a season. That's great. Baseball's back. Yeah. Let's tune in for a night. So I almost think like for this to, for, for this to just like not have to worry about future CBAs, they were going to really have to hit rock bottom this year, like lose half a season or, you know, God forbid, oh. lose an entire season. Um, and that didn't happen. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe the owners learned their lesson, but, it hasn't happened before i don't think it happened now no but you're right because i look at it from the perspective of a kid in 1994 because i had just come off of being you know a canadian youth after 1992-93 with the blue jays and i was like riding the high i'm like i'm a baseball fan now i'm going to be a jays fan i'm really into this i'm nine this is going to be my new like passion i want to learn all about this and then 1994 hit and when you're a kid just coming up in that, you don't have the focus. You don't have the longevity to care enough through a year of lost baseball. And I stopped caring. I was like, you know, now I'm 10 and there's no baseball games and I'm just simply not going to go back to watching that. And I didn't until I was an adult. And so that's the real risk of losing a whole season is that it's not the adults that you risk losing. It's the new generation who will simply stop caring. 
And I'm grateful we didn't lose that. But at the same time, you're right. That might be the only way to like really teach anybody a lesson is to be like, you've actually like really hindered your opportunity to build an audience here. Especially this is coming like right off the bat of like the marketing campaign, like let the kids play and that, yeah. that sort of thing. You've got this such a great, talented young group of players, including right with the Rays, Wander Franco. And I'm going to get into, we're going to get into just a second how this is, how the Rays will move forward now. Uh, but yeah, I think ultimately, and maybe that was the biggest win for the owners in all of this. It's the fact that they're getting 162. You're, you were going to have these celebrations on Twitter. It's kind of like when the, when the, not a little similar to when the sister city plan died. You had all these race fans celebrating like, Oh, they're not going to split the season anymore. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're staying right. Like mm. it just means that that's not going to be the way it goes. I, I'm, I'm seeing similar things now. I think the players got a lot, not everything that they wanted and maybe not everything that they deserve to get in this side of things. Um, but ultimately we do have baseball back. I know we're going to have another podcast. I think breaking down the CBA once we figure out all the details, including uh, rule changes, because I, I don't even know if like the bigger bases has been finalized for this year. No, I don't know. I, I know. I think they've canceled the rule five draft this year. Oh, well, that's um, good for the race. One I thing think. I've seen. And <laughs> so, you know, that's the like there's, there's going to be some small things coming through. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll have to like really dive into it piece by piece when we know everything is its final form and not just like, hey, yay, baseball's back. Yeah. And so tonight, the expectation is I'm going to try to get this podcast. I don't know when you'll be listening to this. I'll be trying to get it out uh, while I'm the public address announcer tonight's baseball game that I'm about to be, that's starting in two hours. Uh, but the expectation is that tonight and tomorrow, we're going to see a frenzy of moves, kind of like we saw right before, right the before yeah. started. Like that kind of like a couple weeks right after the season ended when things just went bananas and the yes. Rangers dropped a half billion dollars on players to have like a 500 season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, because they still have no pitching. Um, <laughs> Ashley, I'm going to put you on the spot. Whenever this, whenever these moves start, what do you expect the first move the Rays to make? Well, I mean, I want it to be Freddie Freeman now that that rumor has been <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know if I, part of me, my gut says, I'm going to hate it is what I, my gut says. My gut says they're going to trade somebody that I don't want them to trade. I could see them moving Kiermaier and I would be okay with that. I just don't know, like, you know, I don't know what they would get. And as far as free agency goes, I mean, I want Freeman. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, you could look at, I don't think they'll re-sign Nelson Cruz. Um yeah, I don't know. I've been so out of the loop of what's available and who's out there. Like, we're not going to pick up Carlos Correa. We have no need for middle infielders. <laughs> um, I don't think that there's going to be like a real gangbusters move unless it is Freeman. And I don't see them spending that money. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I, I think we'll see one big trade. And I think we'll see it soon, whether it be t- tonight, the night we're recording this, or tomorrow. My gut tells me it's Kiermaier. And you had Mark Topkin kind of reporting during the lockout that the possibility of Kiermaier being traded was definitely there. Kiermaier's kind of acknowledged it. And usually in recent years, or historically with the Rays, when Mark Topkin like writes something like that, he knows, he knows something. Yeah. Now, with that being said, he missed the scoop on the uh, Sister City plan being dead earlier this offseason. And maybe he's not getting some of those scoops that he used to. Uh, but I, that's the one I'm kind of expecting. 
I guess we'll see whether or not these teams have been tampering and like discussing these deals during the lockout. With trades, it's a lot more, you know, it's a lot easier than with the free agents because yeah. teams were locked out. I don't think they were. I don't think management was forbidden from talking to each other. I think GMs could probably still talk to each other about things. I don't think they were allowed to talk about trades explicitly, but like, come on. You could be like, I have a bushel of apples and I know that you are in particular need of apples on your team. Yeah. Would you trade me a a container of honey for that? Yeah, no, (laughs) I can see them absolutely kind of working their way around it. Um, you're right. I don't, I think that right now, like GM phones are blowing up like crazy right. and agents are just sitting there like, you know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for like the big deals to come through. Who do you think is going to be the first big free agent off the table? Now that I think it's Korea. You think he, so? He, he's Boris, right? He is Boris now, I think. Yeah. I think Scott Boris is going to want his, one of his big names. Boom. Baseball's back. Carlos Correa has a new team. I feel like Korea is going to keep and is asking for too much. And maybe not now, maybe now that it's March yeah. and he's like, man, I need a team. It's going to be a different story, but he turned down like a 10 year deal for, from the tigers. That was not a, a small yeah. sum. Um, so I don't know, maybe he thinks too highly of himself to, to sign a deal right away. Well, and we know Boris is probably not happy with the deal as currently constructed. So maybe he'll try to hold out and try to get the most money. Maybe he signs in June. Who knows? Maybe his season yeah. will be a half season. Um, yes, I don't even know, like, it's been so long, I haven't even, you know, kept up with free agency. Um, Freeman, it wouldn't shock me if the Braves go ahead and re-sign Freeman. Yeah. Um, now that the pressure was put on them with that newest report from John Heyman that all these other teams were interested, including the Rays, that felt like it could have been one of those leverage moves from whoever Freeman's client is, or uh, agent is, to say, like, hey, Braves, like, this lockout's ending soon, look at all these other teams interested. Yeah, um, that one wouldn't shock me. Um, I, I think we'll see a lot of trades, though. Uh, you know, you, you, I, these teams have had plans, even if they haven't been talking. They've had ideas. The, these front offices have been planning for this season. They've been on the little trade builder tool. They've been yeah. figuring out their values. <laughs> now you've got like 15 teams that need designated hitters, and some of them have guys yeah. that probably should have been DHs for years, but haven't had that opportunity in the National League. Um, like you said, Nelson Cruz has 30 suitors rather than 15. Yeah, um, if absolutely. he you know he wants to continue playing, there was one like misleading tweet from a reporter that would directly translated from Spanish to English, basically said that Nelson Cruz was retiring and was going to go play the rest of his career in the Dominican. Yeah, I feel um, like he'll play one more season. I feel yeah, like I think so too. Season in Nelly. I think this is his last. I feel like this is his last season in the majors, um, but I think we'll see one more season from him before he you know, disappears. I think somebody also posted a picture of his house that had a water slide built into it. And I need to like research that more because that's living the dream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> as long as he's not like going to get hurt on it during the season. No, it's uh, not. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not with the, I mean, I don't want to be get hurt at, even if he's not with the Rays, but yeah. I don't expect the Rays to re-sign Nelson Cruz. Is there anyone else outside of Freddie Freeman that you'd love to see the Rays get? Um, oh no. There's nobody that I've been kind of like, like eager for i mean in the past i would have found nick castellanos to be a really interesting get but i don't even know if he's still available i'm so out of the loop of who was signed and who wasn't um i think he is i don't even have my phone on me but he's a boros client too now so you know who knows what about uh what about seya suzuki the player out of japan who's like uh like he had a bunch of home runs last year um for hiroshima uh, had like a 436 on base and 640 slugging. 
I saw, um, you know, I, I hated these sorts of comments before the lockout with the race. You know, it was rumored that they were interested. Everyone just say, oh, I don't want it to be another Yoshi Tsuchigo. And I thought that was, one, pretty uh, xenophobic. Uh, but, two, it's like, you know, just because one Japanese player didn't have success with the Rays, it uh, doesn't mean that, that, that Suzuki can't. Because we've seen other Japanese players have success with the Rays. Uh, hit, hit Akinori Iwamura, who was part of that first pennant Yeah, and it's not like we're going to sit around and go, oh, no, not another white pitcher. Like, right, exactly. Not, I was so burned by that last guy with long hair. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work out another... last time they signed a guy mm-hmm. out of Ohio. Right? Those, Al- <laughs> those Alabaman pitchers, never trusted yeah. one of those again. Um, I mean, I'm always excited to see somebody come out of like the, the KBO or the, the yeah. Japanese leagues. I think that there's such an emphasis on talent there that they treat it like such a, like when you're young and you're coming out of high school, like they're serious about you, like developing it as a, like, so I I mean, just because the Rays have gotten burned recently by a Japanese player, I don't think that that's a sign to say, Hey, stay away from all Japanese players. I would love to see that. I say, give me more international superstars from Japan. And Yoshi, who ended up having some success with the Pirates towards the end of last season, I'd love to see him have, I think he's a free agent again. Uh, but I'd love be, to see yeah. him have success. I mean, uh, maybe, sometimes it's just a not maybe the, the race right match, him again, right? Like sometimes it's not like you look at a player like so. I look at a guy like James McCann with the Tigers, who was like really subpar as a catcher, and you know would have made a good backup, but not an everyday guy. And then he goes on to the White Sox, and then he goes on to the Mets, and he's like actually really good. It doesn't necessarily mean that like he should have stayed with the Tigers, but rather that moving him off the team might have been what worked. And so I think, you know, just exposure to different coaches, exposure to a different, you know, mindset can often be what works for a player. So the last thing I think we should probably touch on for it, I'll bring up actually one pitcher I'd like to see the Rays resign, and that's Colin McHugh. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. One, he's like just a very, I love hearing what he has to say about baseball. I love reading his quotes. I mean, the Tampa Bay Times or on MLB.com, uh, but he was very good last year, and I'd love to see him back. The, one of the details that I'm reading from Mark Feinsand now from the new CBA is that it's a 12-team postseason, which I loved 10. I actually loved eight back when it was eight teams. But I'm really glad that it's not 14. I think 12, if you're going to expand, it's not what I'd prefer. The uh, purist, but... I would love the postseason to be two teams. Um, but... yeah. <laughs> it's uh, but... never going to go back to the way it was originally. So, um yeah, I think I, I was fine with like eight to 10. Seems like a really good sweet spot. 12 is going to be interesting. I think the problem with that is that it kind of, it allows a leg in for really just mediocre mid-tier teams to kind of make a little push towards the end, which some fans of mediocre mid-tier teams, hi, I like the Tigers, um, <laughs> would be supportive of. But also it's like, is that really emphasizing the best of the best in a postseason like adding more teams to the postseason is like okay yeah a wild card team aren't they fun when they get through but i mean are they do i really need to see another wild card versus wild card like with like what was it kansas city and the giants back in the day yeah and i'm like yeah okay that's fun and cool but i would also kind of like to see the two best teams in baseball go against each other for a series right. i i agree with you there and then the last one, that this last detail I'll see before we wrap it up. Like I said, we're going to do probably a more comprehensive CBA episode, uh, probably a raise your voice where we can share more of our thoughts on the deal. Players can now only be optioned five times in a season. 
which was you know has never there's been no limit as the Rays put on full display this year with pitchers like Chris Mazza or Lewis Head. I'm actually seeing a tweet from Sesame's Family Barbecue that this is the new Lewis Head rule, uh, which <laughs> I've always said like, yes, it's probably not a very good way to treat your employees to send them back and forth between two locations throughout a season like that. Um, the Rays still, I thought, provided like a lot of opportunities for guys like Lewis Head, who really wasn't getting that opportunity to pitch in the major leagues or in AAA elsewhere. Um, but I think that is an overall good thing for the players, uh, especially, you know, five times is still a lot. It's still a lot. But I think now there's the other, a limit. The other thing to consider, too, is that, like, guys who are making league minimum only make it for the games they're playing in the majors. Yeah. And so I think that's something not a lot of people realize. So when a guy is getting shuffled back and forth between the majors and the minors, he's only making major league pay for the games yes. he's up. And so you can look at it and be like, oh, he's making $600,000 this year. Wow, he can go back and forth as often as he needs to. But it, it's not like it's going between making $500,000 and making like $14,000. Yeah. Um, and that can really mess with a guy's like mentality. And I think the way he lives his life and plans, especially if they've got families. Like, right. How are you supposed to be expected to focus on baseball? When you're focused on where you're going to live, how are you going to get back? Yeah, and forth? like, am like, I making real money for this month, or am I making like, right. you know, whatever a week worth of fourteen thousand dollars is? So it's, I don't know. I think that that's something that doesn't get considered much, but I, I think limiting the amount we can move those guys around is probably a good thing. I think so too. And yeah, the only other option would be to like uh, set, you know, okay, they're going to make league minimum as long as they're on a 40-man roster, which yeah. would have, I think, been nice. But that that probably would have been a sticking point for the owners, uh, for better or for worse. But, Ashley, any other thoughts, any other, you know, instant reactions before we wrap up today? Uh, I'm just super pumped. I was I was so to the point of being all, like, you know, nuts to this. I'm over it. Baseball is stupid. Why do I love this sport? Um, I was just – I was ready to burn my fandom to the ground. Not really. You know I would have been back in July when it started. <laughs> but I was so frustrated and fed up, and I think a lot of people were. And I think if that's how super fans were feeling, that it's not a great thing for casual fans who are like, well, guess I'll never watch baseball again. Um, so I'm just really, really happy that baseball is back. Me too. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just, yeah, like you said, we would have been back, but I'm like, I've got so much other stuff I can worry about right now. There's, you know, plenty of other sports to go around. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the real world that's kind of, you know, hooked my attention. So at the end of the day, I'm glad that in a little, little bit less than a month, we'll have Major League Baseball regular season games on our TV. Uh, the last thing I'll notice is the shift is not going to be banned for this season. There will be no pitch clock this season all things that I think I'm happy aren't being rushed into the game. Yeah. If they are implemented, I'd like to see more time, but yeah, baseball is back. Like I said, we will have a more comprehensive CBA. I'm guessing that'll be an episode of raise your voice. Also, Ashley, I know you and Darby have watched bad news bears for our next two on worst <laughs> episode. I have not. I've been extremely busy. I was living out of a hotel for a week with no power in my apartment. Um, so I have not yet watched bad news bears. Uh, but I'm getting that. We will record our newest episode of Who's on Worst in the very near future as Wonderful. we get ramped up back on DRaceBay.com. So uh, thank you, Ashley, for hopping on on super short notice. Like yeah. I said, I am recording in the driver's seat of my car before I go broadcast. <laughs> and I just baseball game. my house after my, my work shift, so it timed out very, very well. 
Yes, you were the you were the one volunteer to hop on today, so I appreciate that. Thank you to everybody for listening. I'm sure you are just as excited about the return of Major League Baseball as we are. If you like what we do on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network, make sure to follow or subscribe, whatever your platform calls it, so that every new episode is downloaded directly to your device. And we're really ramping things up on DRaysBay.com. If you haven't been on the site in a while, uh, because during the lockout, I, I don't blame you, but we got a lot, a lot of great prospect content, including our comprehensive top 30 list for the Rays organization. That is going to be a must-read going into the season. And now with the lockout over, there's going to be tons more major league content coming on the site as well. So make sure to head on over there. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you very soon.